Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories so military spouses can continue to make confident and informed decisions for their families. Because, let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, a veteran spouse, and your host for today's show. Let's get started. Jen Amos here. Really excited to share this interview with you that I had the honor of having with Emily Reagan in her Facebook group, which is called Emily's Digital Media Specialist and Virtual Assistant Lab. If you want to learn more about this group, you could actually check out the show notes on how you can join. I highly encourage you to join because it's actually a free community where digital media virtual assistants and digital marketing specialists learn the latest and the greatest when it comes to computer skills, knowledge, and abilities to truly make a difference in a client's business. This group is only for highly motivated, tech-savvy, social media-loving people who want to work from home, challenge their brain, learn new stuff, and have marketable skills. So if you are a freelancer, a social media virtual assistant, a Facebook virtual assistant, Pinterest virtual assistant, Instagram virtual assistant, or anyone who just wants to expand their knowledge of social media and and the digital marketing world, I highly recommend that you check out this Facebook group. And uh, I just cannot talk about it enough because Emily gave me permission to uh, take this Facebook Live interview that we did in her group uh, onto our podcast show here with Beholding Down the Fort. So Emily, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, the cool thing too is that Emily was actually on our show here in the first season. So if you want to hear her story and more about her background and what she does, you can go listen to season one, episode 16 of Holding Down the Fort. So Emily, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you again for letting me uh, share this to my community as well. So just some housekeeping, we did have some technical difficulties within the first 10 minutes. We don't have that part included, but I actually had a chance at the beginning to share my background as a military child, gold star daughter, and how that influenced my struggles in employment. That ultimately led me to starting my own social media marketing agency back in 2013 to 2018. I think with everyone doing live streaming today and doing live video interviews, it's safe to say that internet connection can always be an issue And so I just want to thank you in advance, just like I did my last interview for understanding ahead of time that some parts of this interview may be a little bit choppy. I was able to clean out most of it, but, you know, I did the best that I could uh, with the resources I had with the time that I was given. And uh, you'll know what I'm referencing to when you listen to this interview. And before I dive into this exciting interview, I do want to say that Holding Down the Fort is brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. While most financial advisors help you plan for retirement, We help you plan for who you want to become. And given with today's times, it's really hard to see what the future will bring. And I think more people are beginning to practice presence and focusing on where they're at today and making the most out of their current circumstances. And so I think that U.S. Vet Wealth couldn't be more relevant today than it ever has been ever before. You can learn more about U.S. Vet Wealth at usvetwealth.com. And you could also check out the early interviews that we did at the beginning of season two of Holding Down the Fort, where I get a chance to talk to my husband, uh, who is the founder and uh, CEO of U.S. Vet Wealth and why he started it and his passion for helping out veterans and military families. Also, when it comes to our current times with the pandemic and our stay at home orders, we thought that as a company, we would offer free action classes 
And these free action classes are an opportunity for you to network with like-minded professionals and learn actionable lessons that you can implement right away. Or not, you could just come to hang out. It's all virtual, it's all online, it's free. Every week we learn from best-selling authors covering topics regarding identity, self-development, or financial control. In less than one hour, we distill the major lessons from our chosen author and then identify action steps to apply those lessons to your current life's mission. So if you want to learn more about these action classes, these free action classes, you can go visit usvetwealth.com. And there you have it. Once again, I want to thank you in advance for giving us grace for the choppiness of doing a live interview. I hope that you take a lot from this interview. I had an opportunity, in case any of you are ever wondering what I did in my former life before I started podcasting, uh, in this episode, I talk a lot about my social media marketing agency background, my um, how I had struggled with imposter syndrome for the majority of my 20s, and what do you do when you feel discouraged from... Uh, clients that no longer want to work with you or clients that have ghosted you. I share a ton of mantras on how to fail forward in this episode. And I think this is especially beneficial for, you know, sole proprietors or freelancers that are uh, looking to build their clientele. Anyway, I said a lot of stuff. Thank you so much for listening to my announcements as always and enjoy. are going to tackle technology today. We are going to show that you can handle it. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So I want to jump back in where we were talking, Jen. Okay. Go back to how somebody approached you for social media services and you just came up with something on the fly. Yeah. So in my early twenties, after college, I sort of, after getting fired from four jobs, I had convinced myself that I got into sales because I thought, at least sales, it won't fire me. It's just dependent on performance. And I wanted to get noticed. So I started joining local networking organizations in San Diego. And I had volunteered my time to be a social media officer. I guess I did really well because someone approached me and said, hey, Jen, how much do you charge for your services? And at that time, that was not my business. But I literally stayed up all night and I came up with a business plan and a company name all in one night. <laughs> and essentially, I ran that social media marketing agency for five years. So that's how I got into that. What was your degree? So that's a funny story too. So going back to being a military child, not knowing how to commit to anything, I changed my major three times and I eventually settled with bachelor's degree in journalism, media studies with an emphasis in public relations. So in a way people say, oh, that makes sense why you got, like why you started your business because you have a PR background. And I'm here thinking, you know, I, I didn't pursue the traditional route of becoming a PR person. I thought that I was doing an awful job or I thought that I wasn't, you know, using my degree correctly. But anyway, that's my background with my degree. And, you know, to this day, especially now that I'm a podcaster, I've just owned the fact that your degree doesn't have to set you up for a linear path in your career. You could really make what you want out of your degree. And I have discovered that looking back in the last 10 years now and fully accepting that fact. <laughs> I love it. So many yeah. people ask me, do you need a degree to do this online? And no, what I mm -hmm. learned, what I don't even know how long ago I graduated. Uh, let's not think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 20, like 17 years ago, I graduated. But yeah, mine yeah. was journalism and electronic media. And it was nothing like today. It's not yeah. relevant at all, except for the basic you know, writing and 
I don't know. It's just way different and you don't need yeah. a degree. And that's interesting yeah. that you fell into social media too. That was the first thing somebody asked me to do. Could I run their Facebook for them? And I just said, sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I came up with something. And that was before all the Facebook marketing classes and everything. So yours was yeah. too. H- had you taken a social media class? You know, it's interesting because I do have to give credit to my degree because in my upper division classes, one of my classes had required us to start a blog and to start a Twitter account. So I had, yeah, I had the same Twitter account since I think 2008 when Twitter started to become a thing. (laughs) And we were told to tweet every day. Like it was part of our class assignment, our grade, you know, to tweet every single day. And so I really have to, you know, credit that to my degree. Now with all the other PR stuff, like writing, what do you call it? Press releases and stuff like that. I did not like apply that like later in life. And even if I did, I honestly Googled a lot of that. Like, how do I write a press release? And what I found, at least in learning social media, is that I just signed up for a bunch of online things. I looked for online social media conferences or even local ones. And I really self-educated and focused on a lot of trial and error. Most importantly, in the last, what is it, like two, three years into my business, I had my social media business from 2013 to about 2018. In the second half of it, I started to seek out help because people started asking me, Jen, do you do websites? Jen, do you do graphic design? Jen, because, you know, social media is just one component to the overall online marketing world, right? Like if you're going to go online, you can't just be on social media. Like you just, I mean, organic reach is great and it can get you fairly far if you're lucky. (laughs) And that's the thing. Sometimes it's a matter of luck and also a lot of like personal effort to do that kind of outreach, you know? And so I came to a place where I knew I couldn't do it all. So I started to collaborate with other people in the online marketing space that specialized in certain things like an SEO and websites and graphic design. And before you know it, the last, I'd say two years of my business, I took more of a consultant role and just spoke to clients and I would collaborate with my contractors and say, Hey, you know, this business needs an online presence. Can you give me a proposal for a website? Can you give me a proposal for branding? And I was the one to present that proposal to the client. And I would really be the face of my business. So, yeah. So, you know, I teach kind of being like the unicorn VA. And you just set a prime example of that. Like you get your foot in the door doing one thing and people come to you wanting more and more. And you can choose whether you do that, learn that, or want to go that path. Maybe you subcontract or, you know, refer. But it like so much can fall into your lap if you just get your foot in the door. And social media is a great way to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. What were your first clients having you do? Like, what were they coming to you struggling with and wanting your help? Oh, man. Networking events I went to, I was always typically the youngest person in the room. (laughs) And so I was surrounded a lot with like baby boomers or generation X type people. And a lot of these people still love, let's meet face-to-face, you know, let's do face-to-face sales type of, you know, personalities. And so they hired me because they wanted to have an online presence, but they didn't want to manage it. You know, it just felt so impersonal to them, but they understood logically that they needed to be online. And so I would essentially, kind of like a ghostwriter would write, you know, write someone's book. I was sort of that ghostwriter for these businesses and making sure that they had a consistent online presence. So the main social media accounts that I managed at the time was Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a little bit of LinkedIn. But at the time, Facebook was more of the big one. And that was like, yeah, it was like back in 2013-ish. 
when like Facebook Live was a big deal. Yeah. You know, everything Facebook was a big deal. And like you could still get organic reach on your Facebook pages. So yeah, mainly managing their accounts. And there was a number of ways that I did that, if you want me to elaborate on that. Yes. I was um, totally going to yeah. ask that next question. Like walk <laughs> us through some of the logistics or did you have clients who would approve your posts? Like what did it all look like behind the scenes? Oh my goodness. Well, it really depended on the client and how hands off or hands-on mm -hmm. they wanted to be. So if I worked with a client that was really hands-off, I was big on content calendars. So Google spreadsheets were like my best friend. <laughs> and what I would do is I would <laughs> compile the content ahead of time. Like I have a long-term client, even till this day, that I still help them with their Facebook account. And what they do is they become a digital magazine. So at the time they were local, but then, you know, they had, you know, just things happen and they have to go digital. And what I would do is essentially pull content from what they already published, you know, from their articles and from their website and stuff. And I would essentially curate that into the content calendar. Sometimes I pulled third-party articles. Sometimes I would create content myself. Like I would pull the best quotes from their articles or from their videos and make image quotes out of that. Yeah. So I really wore a lot of hats. I was sort of like this mini social media, like image designer, and then the manager and then the executioner. <laughs> but the spreadsheets, yes, yes. spreadsheets and the G suite was my best friend because, you know, you can share those accounts and you can have your client comment on it live. Well, most of my clients didn't comment on it. They would actually like call me and say, Hey, can you, <laughs> can you like tweak this? But yeah, I, I use a lot of Google spreadsheets. Canva.com is my best friend in terms mm -hmm. of creating social media images. And lately for me, I also like using, if you are editing video and audio together, like audio clips for video on YouTube, like a podcast show, I like using headliner app because me too. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great way to, you know, cut up in that way. So Canva headliner, I have so many more like resources, but yeah, a lot of my tools that I used, I made sure that I could take it wherever I went. So like, even if I had to log into someone else's um, computer, I had to make sure that it was like, you know, in the cloud or I can just log on to Gmail whenever, you know, yes. wherever or Canva. So I was always looking for those types of tools so that <laughs> mm -hmm. I could be mobile wherever I go. And so sometimes a lot of my business too, I just did it on my phone. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about how I would do that for my clients. And then eventually I became more hands-off as I started to um, work with a virtual assistant to help me execute some things and okay. also contract other people. So you were totally a unicorn, like doing it all. And I like that you yeah. actually implemented it, but you had the strategic brain and the high level knowledge of what to do with the strategy. So yeah. Deb asked, how much time did it take you to curate a week's worth of content? Do you remember? You know, actually, I'll say it took me a weekend to do a month's worth of content. Okay. You know, so sometimes, I mean, if you know your client's messaging and you know where to pull resources from, yes. or content from, you could really knock it out in like a weekend. And so, so yeah, it really depends. Like if they already have content made. Now, if I have to make it from scratch it takes a little bit longer to do that. So yes. um, I, I can't give you like a time frame on that. But I know that at the time, when I started to have more clients, I really needed to be more efficient. And so I had to, you know, really commit to the beginning of the month, or even toward the end of the month, to set up content for the following month. Yeah. And so yeah. and I had to make sure I was like, okay, I'm gonna dedicate this whole day to do it for this client. And initially, it takes a while when you're getting started. But once you yeah. find that rhythm, it, you could do it really quickly. And on top of that, you can also reuse some of the old content. Yeah. <laughs> so 
there you go. <laughs> yeah, the algorithm only shows uh, what, like less than 10% the feed. So if you yeah. have something that did really well for a client six months ago or however long ago, you can bring it back at another day and another time and it will be shown to a new audience. So yeah, it's a great resource for coming up with content. I know for me, it takes about, I estimate and I teach my students probably about 90 minutes to about two hours for a week's worth of Facebook post. And okay. so I think that kind of adds up because if you were doing four weeks, that would be about eight hours. But again, yeah. it depends if your clients have things organized, if they're producing their own content or if they're right. approving the post. You know, right. I do like right. to get some posts where the clients have things in their own words, like their heartfelt messages and stuff like that. But you do get better at writing in the client's voice and it can go fast. It sure doesn't start like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, usually when I start for anyone that is interested in, you know, getting into social media and you have clients, I would propose that they commit to you for at least three to six months, like at yes. least. Because yeah. if you do once a month, you're setting yourself up for failure because you can't provide results in a month, honestly, unless you do no. paid advertising. But even then, you still have to do a series of trial and error to get the right, you know, ad yes. copy and stuff like that. So I say that if that's going to be the industry you're going to be in and you're going to get your own clientele, three to six months should be like the bare minimum for them to commit to you. Yeah. So what did it look like for you when you were doing proposals? And did you do contracts? Like, how did you charge your clients? And what did you charge them? At that time, you know, once again, it kind of depended as well. Because when okay. I first started, I, I definitely undervalued my services. I really did. I used to charge as little as 100 a month to just wow. like manage like a Facebook account. Yeah, because I had no idea. And I thought I was justifying it too. I thought like, oh, if I do like an hour in a week and I only charge 20 an hour, then yeah, that makes sense, $100 a month. And I even remember my first client said like, straight up told me I was undervaluing, <laughs> you know, myself. And so as time went on though, I would say that my biggest retainer looking back was like 2,500 a month just to manage like two or three social media accounts. So I felt pretty good about that. I eventually got to a place where I was like, you know what, I'm going to add an extra zero <laughs> at the end and see if people will take it. And to my surprise, people did. Yes. And so that was really cool. It was really interesting to get to a place where I remember my ex-boyfriend at the time, he got his like first full-time job. And at one point I was making more money than him. And I was working less, you know, less hours than him. And, you know, it was just quite an interesting experience to be like, wow, like he has to work like, you know, he has to stand on his feet all day and, you know, talk to people all day. And then here I am just working from home, like in my PJs, you know, adding an extra zero to my services and people are buying it. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, you know, and even till this day, I still, I mean, fortunately I work with my husband and our services that we offer are, the pricing is dependent on how much income the client makes. But like back then I really had to know my worth or at least believe that I was worth like charging more, you know, cause I, yeah. I definitely undervalued my college degree. You know, I undervalued the fact that I did all this trial and error on, you know, on social media for these clients. And I really dealt with the imposter syndrome because when I was in college, even though they had told us to create a Twitter account and to create a blog, I mean, I really had to get to a place where I had to believe in myself or at least like fake it in my mind. I had to like kind of almost create like a different persona to say like, this is the professional Jen, you know, like she knows what she wants, like she's confident and really just 
you know, work. I mean, fortunately, I had a lot of help throughout the years and community to work through those feelings. Um, And I do want to say that when you initially do get started, it's completely normal to have the imposter syndrome because you're doing something new. Of course, you think you're qualified. So yeah, that's my little spiel on the imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, I still have it now. And I haven't (laughs) told you this, but I have signed a couple clients just to do PR. Yeah. So I totally have imposter syndrome. I think we all do. I mean, I talked to a million dollar business owner yesterday and she struggles with it at every stage. And if you're not seeing that at every stage, you're not growing and trying new things. And for me, I just took on a couple clients to do more PR and pitching. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if I can promise them results. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, so much of that is out of your control. Yeah. And I struggle with that. And yesterday I was sending a pitch to Forbes. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I can't do it? I'm like, oh my God, it's just so silly that we do that. But yet it's because I'm doing something new and I'm playing a bigger game. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I had always thought that the imposter syndrome is kind of like a woman's thing that we tend to experience more than men. But I realized like, cause even my husband, he'll struggle with the imposter syndrome as well because he's creating a business from scratch. He's like really pushing this message that no one else in his industry is pushing. And it got me to realize like, you know, I think in general, like when we all start something new, it's, it's natural for us to have that. And I do want to say that, I was really thinking about the imposter syndrome like last week for some reason. So I decided in case anyone is struggling with that right now, YouTube, like TED talks about imposter syndrome. It really helps. Oh, good (laughs) idea. Yeah. Because the truth is like, I think the reason why we have that is because we think we have to provide certain results. But Mm -hmm. if we just focus on the activity of the service more than the results, if you just focus on service and focus on doing the best that you can, you don't have to worry so much about that. And I think that, yeah, anyway, that's my spiel on that. (laughs) I, I think so many struggle with this. And that's why I'm constantly reminding, especially my students, like, business owners are hiring you for a reason. They do not have the capacity to do this and they just appreciate the mental (laughs) delegation and getting it off their plate and the fact that you will do it. And you might make mistakes as long as you own them and as long as you communicate with them. Mm -hmm. You are providing such a good service, but we get so trapped in the thinking that, oh, I might not be the best one to do this. I mean, sometimes we can have an imposter syndrome because we are writing in a client's voice. (laughs) <laughs> and we, oh, yeah. we're already the imposter, like pretending yeah. to be something we're not. But you've got to remember that is a place of service and you are helping yeah. them out. And yeah. if they want to pay the thousand dollar an hour <laughs> Facebook manager, they could do that. But, you know, right. they come to you for a reason. Yeah. And I think like they come to you because a lot of times they don't have the time or they have, they don't have the mental space to do it. And that's essentially what they're getting, like hiring you for. So knowing that you are going to dedicate the time to do it. And if you are passionate about dedicating the time to do it, like that itself is an asset. And that is something worth marketing. It sounds like I'm preaching this, but I'm like almost saying it to myself, (laughs) you know, reminding myself, like I'm passionate about this, whether I'm good or not is not the question. It's that I'm passionate about it and I want to dedicate the time to it. And it just so happens that these clients don't want to do it. So they'll hire me to do it for them. Yeah. So Michelle just said that the imposter syndrome is why she doesn't go for more jobs. Now, Michelle is a video editor for her Mm -hmm. local news. She has a very in-demand skill right now 
video mm -hmm. editing and I am trying to convince her, get in the door with your video editing skills. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you could be taking over more and more with YouTube, IGTV. I mean, so many business owners need that help and she can get her foot in the door. And it's not about you're an imposter because you're not a digital marketing consultant, but you like you you get your foot in the door with what you're good at and you learn mm -hmm. from that, just like Jen did with social media. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. So go mm -hmm. for it, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. And Michelle, I want to add that I mean, it sounds like you already have this amazing skill set, but it, you know, maybe one way to build your confidence is to maybe provide like your service for free at first do a very minimal like editing for someone and then ask them for a testimonial because sometimes if you don't believe in yourself, you have to buy into other people's belief in you. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. Like, I mean, when I had the courage to ask my clients back then for testimonials, I kept those testimonials with me. Cause sometimes when I felt like I didn't know what the heck I was doing, I would read those testimonials and be reminded, Oh, my clients like me because I'm committed to them because yes. I give them my undivided attention because I ask very thorough questions because yes. I map out what I'm going to do for them, you know? And so that's what I recommend is like, if you don't have the belief in yourself first to buy the belief in other people. And the way to do that is to get testimonials. And sometimes you can do that by providing your service for free or even asking past clientele or people that you've worked with, like, hey, what do you like about me? What do you think I'm good at? Like, what, what am I most known yes. for? And really, like, put that in your journal or put that on a post-it next to your computer and be reminded that this is how people believe in you. And you can use that, you know, for yourself, you know, to boost up yeah. your own confidence. So I hope that helps, Michelle. I think it does. And <laughs> Michelle, too, if you are editing the video, offer the next step for free. Like offer to put it on YouTube and optimize it on YouTube, offer to get it on IGTV and start expanding your knowledge of those platforms and then mm -hmm. you'll be confident too. So I was at the copywriters in real life conference right before Corona shut down everything. Oh boy. Yeah. And there were so many copywriters there who have like $50,000 contracts to do sales, like single sales page or whatever for mm -hmm. these companies and seven figure entrepreneurs. I just felt like so out of place but yeah i knew i was with my people like the behind yeah. the scenes people who do the work and they're smart and they're funny but i'm like oh here i am charging hourly but um a couple of them talked about this and they had <laughs> a folder like a, a win folder or an i love me folder where they could go and kind of give themselves a pep talk with those oh, reviews that. that you're talking about because sometimes yeah. they would get stuck writing like can i do this oh my god i just got this right. contract can i do it and they would yeah. hop into the folder read some successes and like pump themselves up so that's kind of a cool trick too <laughs> yeah i think also the final thing i want to say about the imposter syndrome is when you realize that everyone else has it it's yeah. not so bad. Like you think, oh, like, you know, it's, it's part of why I've grown so comfortable being in front of the camera or just like doing podcasting because it's like, it's not even about me. Like no one knows that I feel like a fraud. Like if I just focus yeah. like being of service to people and being present with people and, you know, preparing, like preparing, like I was talking with the proposals and the content calendars and, you know, mapping out all those things for the client. If you just focus on that, like that itself almost eradicates. I mean, it may not ever go away. The feeling may not ever go away, but you could at least like minimize it or work through it um, yes. with, those, with those steps. So yes, those you're suggestions. So, you're so right. So I want to get into your podcast and okay. how, how that <laughs> came about and what that's like for you and mm -hmm. where you're going with it. Just I, FYI, I teach podcasting, like how to help 
you know, clients like yourself mm-hmm. on the back end inside my work group. So we go over Lisbon and headliner and some of the things you were talking about. Beautiful. A lot of a lot of podcasters need help becomes a lot of work. So just give us some insight yeah. into how that looks for you. Sure. Well, I'm a baby podcaster. I started last summer, almost a year ago now. And I actually started because I was really struggling with loneliness and depression. So my husband and I, we had moved to the East Coast almost two, three years ago now. And I started over. You know, part of why I say that I did this with my social media agency is because I left it behind when I moved. And my husband had already flown out here a number of times to make connections. And so by the time I came here, he was already like up and running. And I'm here trying to do this whole mental, emotional, physical (laughs) transition, you know, settling into a new place and really trying to rediscover myself. And I think at that time, I knew for a while I always wanted to, to do podcasting. And my husband, he gets featured on like a million things. We call him like the dog and pony show for business. <laughs> so I won't even mention his name unless you're interested. But because this is not about him. No, it's not. It's about, not. <laughs> <laughs> it's about me right now. But anyway, he was actually asked to you know, be interviewed on this podcast. And this guy was having technical difficulties. So he had proposed that he dial in through this program. And it turned out that this program was one of the easiest ways to start podcasting. I won't mention the name because I'm not using that program anymore. But (laughs) that was the catalyst for me to be like, Oh my gosh, like, like, you know, I didn't know anyone locally. And our car barely worked. So I really felt like I was becoming like stir crazy at home. But I also needed to find a way to build some kind of social life. And I had moved so many times in just the last handful of years where I just really convinced myself and, you know, given my background too, as a military child, I had convinced myself that I needed to build something online. And so I somehow knew in that moment, when I heard about this program, that podcasting was going to be my way to like, fix everything to fix my loneliness, to fix my depression, (laughs) to fix my, you know, lack of community. And, you know, fast forward today, my shows, because I have a couple, (laughs) they collectively almost have, I think, 17,000 downloads with like barely any marketing to it. Like I'm I'm more focused on doing the interviews than I am with marketing it. But like people share it, people share it, people want to listen to it. And so the show that I focus on for my business with my husband is called Holding Down the Fort. And it's a podcast show that's dedicated to military spouses and families. I essentially curate knowledge, resources, and stories for military families so that they can better hold down the fort, make their lives easier. Because as we know, many of us that are in the military community, with every PCS, you have to establish a new normal. And it's like a scavenger hunt every single time trying to figure out like, okay, who's going to be my emergency contact? Who's going (laughs) to, you know, where's the gym? Where are these resources? Like, where are all my resources as a military spouse? And so I thought, what better way to, you know, like help out the community than to have a show where we bring on people that are in our community, or are serving our community, you know, with these resources. And even if no one listens to the show, I have gotten so much value out of interviewing all these incredible people. Even the, like some of the people I've interviewed, I've even used their services because it's like, wow, I didn't know that existed, you know? Yeah. And so it's a great way to build community. And also, once again, when I started the show, 
I had the imposter syndrome again, because, you know, my background is I'm a gold star daughter, a military child, and I had met my husband after the service. So I identify as a veteran spouse. So for me, like, I didn't feel like I was in the right place to be serving like active duty military families. But I used the show as a way to do research into studying what is going on in the community today, like what are their needs today. And so in doing that more and more and with every interview, I eventually was able to find the validation that I needed to just keep running with it because there are certain people too, you know, come to find that other people, even if they are a military spouse, have the imposter syndrome. So going back to that whole, hey, y'all, we all have the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So just own it, just laugh about it and just do it anyway. Yes. Do it anyway. And so this show wouldn't have been possible if I held back, if I felt like I wasn't qualified enough or experienced enough. Cause I literally knew nothing about podcasting. I literally knew nothing, literally. And I remember my first initial shows, like I didn't even have like a podcast microphone, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have the right tools, but in time I figured that out. And so, yeah, it's just been an incredible experience, you know, doing podcasting. And also in that process for anyone that is struggling to find your voice. Um, I've been told this before and I thought I'd share it with the audience as well. Yeah. You know, there's a quote that goes, the only way you'll find your voice is if you use it. And yes, amen, amen. (laughs) And so in talking to people such as yourself, Emily, and doing all these interviews, like I didn't know I had a story. Remember, I didn't know that I was a gold star daughter. I didn't know any of this stuff. But in talking to people, I was able to learn that. And in learning other people's stories and, and having them share their vulnerabilities, it made me realize like, you know, we're all just human. We're all just trying to figure this out together and and we're we're all trying to figure it out individually. And so we need to realize that we're all going through the same thing and to just do it together, to do it in community. And I've been very fortunate to, you know, do that through podcasting and now doing more interviews like this. (laughs) So, so thanks for the opportunity, Emily. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. And (laughs) I can so agree with you. I didn't think I had a voice or anything to share. I'm always Mm -hmm. behind the scenes helping everybody else. And 18 months ago, or it's almost two years ago, I had this idea, but I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Yeah. And it took 18 months of me getting on Facebook lives and writing blogs and just talking to my people to realize, oh my God, I do have something to say. And I do have a mantra and a message and it didn't come right away in the beginning of this part of my business. And I think it's just some part of the journey. You have to just like do it. You have to get the on the job experience and then things will come together. And I recently did a rebranding of my website Mm -hmm. and it almost made me cry because I had to really dig deep and think like, what am I about? And I couldn't have done that 18 months ago. So there's a reason I slapped up a website two hours on a Saturday night with some wine in my hand. (laughs) You know, I I just was like, just go for it. And then it took a while to flush out. And so mm-hmm. now my website, have you seen it? It's like super I colorful. I'm going to have to look at yeah. it now. So. Even though I, I'm not just like glittery, sparkly unicorn person, I'm really more of a tomboy, but I'm embracing that, like yeah. being okay with it. And my branding is about just being unique and embracing yourself and what you're good at. So um Oh my gosh. I love that you didn't know anything about podcasting and you jumped in to do it. And didn't you just tell me you helped somebody set up their podcast too? 
Yeah, I did. So this podcast show isn't out yet, but okay. essentially it turned out that we both have the same demographic of people we want to speak to. Like it's almost like exactly the same demographic. And um, she's also a really good friend of mine and, and my husband's. And, you know, we are actually trying to help her nonprofit get more exposure. So we thought, hey, you know, you have a powerful voice and you know some amazing people in the community. And actually, this is my husband's fault. He's the one that convinced her to get into <laughs> podcasting. He's like, you should totally do podcasting. Oh, you know, Jen knows how to do podcasting. <laughs> and I was all like, here she yeah, is. <laughs> like for myself. And, but, you know, fortunately, and, I, and I, I was very transparent with her. And I think this is important when you talk to your clients. I said, hey, I'm just starting out. Like, you know, I have done this, this, and this. And I'm learning as I go. And if you are completely okay with that, we can figure this out together. And she was 100% on board with that. And so sometimes like, it's okay to like, it's okay to be transparent. And especially if you get to choose your clients, like yes. you want to choose the clients that you want to work with. Like if you try to put up this front that you could do it all, then you will definitely do, like struggle with the imposter syndrome, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, if you just say, Hey, this is who I am. Like I'm learning as I go. Uh, this is what I've done so far. This is my portfolio you know, you may get the clients that will say yes, and will give you the grace to, you know, make mistakes and figure yeah. it out as you go. So because remember, they're hiring you because you are committing the time to do it for them. Yeah. Um, so if you focus on that aspect, then I'm not saying you have to be good. But you know, you don't have to worry about being good enough. So, yeah, there are yeah. so many things in my business I have done and maybe only done once. Mm -hmm. that I told, I don't want to say fake it. That's not right. But I just went out and figured out how to do it. And yeah. I got that much smarter and the client appreciated me. Like just this week, I was emailing a music company for synchronization mm -hmm. rights. Like I've never done wow. that before. I did a book demand proposal, which I'd never done that. Just give me mm -hmm. an example and I'll run with it and I'll use my brain and we'll figure it out. And that's what I've said every time. Like, let's figure it out. <laughs> I, can, I have a zillion, a zillion types of like little piddly tasks that I've done that uh, have added up to my success because I was able to just do it and not, yeah. not like blow smoke up, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. pretend like I knew what I was doing, but just mm -hmm. like you said, being willing to give time. So yes. is that something you want to do as a service or is that like a one-time thing? You know, it, it depends. Yeah. I, I think because, you know, I'm already busy as it is. Like yeah. I wear a lot of hats in my business with my husband and he's already like two handfuls in itself. <laughs> so I have a lot on my hands, but if it makes sense, you know, if it, if it makes sense and it's something that I can, you know, back up and, and stand by, then, you know, I'm open to being hands on. Otherwise, honestly, right now, I've been giving like free podcasting advice, like left and right. But I also have a lot of resources that I can share with people and other Facebook groups that I'm a part of that give all the free podcasting advice. So oh if gosh. that's, yeah, if that's something you want to get into, I don't have it all on the top of my head, but I'm happy to share that with you, Emily, <clears> yeah. if you want to share that, if you want to share it to your audience. But yeah, I, I feel very fortunate. I literally like put a list together the other day. I have, I'm like actively part of like six different podcasting groups. Oh, I love it. Yeah, they all help each other with like, hey, which, you know, which logo do you think is better? Or hey, who can be a guest on my show? Or hey, I'm looking to be a guest on someone's show. So it's just this beautiful online community of people just trying to uplift one another and create space for our stories and, and even just, uh, you know, provide those resources to, you know, make a successful podcast. Oh my gosh, so I want I, in. I mean, Tell me. Yes, Tell me. I will. I will email you all of that. Okay. 
<laughs> but that's usually what I do if people do come to me for advice is I, I almost redirect them to the resources that I've used. A really good one that I will share is on YouTube. If you look up Pat Flynn, I mean, I think everyone knows Pat Flynn at this yeah. point. Well, my, the people in this group might actually not know him. I haven't talked about him before. But oh, go ahead. great. Yeah. yeah, Pat Flynn is a big social media influencer. And if you're looking to start podcast, he has a whole YouTube playlist showing you exactly how to start a podcast show. So with the program that I stumbled into last year, combined with the free YouTube videos by Pat Flynn, I was able to start podcasting within a weekend, like easily. Oh my gosh. Does so, this, this should give every one of you ladies and gentlemen confidence to just jump in. Jen didn't yeah. know what she was doing. Yeah. She figured it out. <laughs> Google and YouTube are our friends. Mm-hmm. And Marie, um, Mary Lee says she loves Pat Flynn. Good. So some people do know who he is. Um, yes. Okay. A, I can see a future in you doing that because I see so many business owners who need help and they don't mm-hmm. have the capacity to wrap their brain around everything that needs to be in order, first of all. But we can talk about that later. Do mm-hmm. you miss your agency at all? Do you miss that work? You know, I don't actually. And I I had considered going back to it because I still have people that like my contractors became my friends, you know, and if people uh, ask me, I usually I still refer them over to my friends. But I think like that business served its purpose for me at that time, as I mentioned, like earlier on when I was choppy, (laughs) if you didn't hear it the first time. I let go from four jobs and I got fired from four jobs and I got into sales because it was like the one thing that wouldn't fire me. And when I stumbled (laughs) into social media, I really felt like I was building it almost out of desperation rather than inspiration. And so it's really like in the last handful of years when, where I've come to a place where I'm doing things because like, I love it more and don't get me wrong the struggle is still very real you know like we're still trying mm-hmm. to figure, I, I still try to figure out how am I gonna like pay my bills next month like that's still a real thing like I've been in this life for 10 years but it doesn't mean I'm wealthier I've become a millionaire I've just become smart <laughs> with my money I become smart with my yeah. resources and I've just been very comfortable failing forward <laughs> and realizing that, that you know people you know I think the average person the average person um, the average American I think is afraid to take chances and I think I have to give credit to my military background or my military child background and um, you know for the fact that like I can start over like I always know how to start over so yes. why not make mistakes because every time I started over like it, it was like I was able to evolve into something different. You know, I was evolved, I was able to evolve into something better. So yeah, do I miss it? I'm going to say no, just because yeah, like I said, it, it served its purpose. It was great working for other people. But now, because I have the business that I have with my husband, I love applying all of that into our business, and also into my own personal branding. And I find a lot more joy in that than managing other people's stuff, unfortunately. And and that was the season, yeah. like I said, it served its time. And I don't think I would go back to it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. I find that mm-hmm. I, I kind of have gone through the same thing. I still do client work, but I pulled myself mm-hmm. out of a lot of it where I can be picky and mm-hmm. choose what I want to do and really be a little bit more thoughtful and intentional. But that's very wise of you. And it's mm-hmm. a season of your life that got you to this point. And mm-hmm. so what's next for you? What are you planning? Well, that's a great question. You know, so my husband and I, our business is in a pretty good place. We've worked really hard on it for the last couple of years um, to the point now where we're focused more on, I want to say marketing now. And so I think my future 
is going to be more so in podcasting. And- I'm so proud of you, especially as an introvert for putting yourself okay. out there and building your own community. Like you said, starting over all the time. And there's so many people inside this group mm-hmm. who want to start over. And I hope you find such encouragement from Jen because that's life. Like we get knocked down, Mm -hmm. we move, we start over, we take on new challenges and new hobbies and it's okay to start new. Like so many of the people inside this group right now are here because they are looking for the inspiration and the encouragement Mm -hmm. to try something new. And it's different for every single person here. And for Jen, her story is different than my story, different than Mary Lee's and Natasha's and Deborah. So have encouragement here. Oh, okay, I have one question that I want to ask you, and then we'll cut this off because I could just yes. keep talking to you. <laughs> one of our students, her name is Karen. She had a question. I was just curious like how you would answer her. So I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Okay, so she had started with two clients, and it just didn't go well. So she's feeling really discouraged. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the ideal setup. I think one of them might have ghosted her. Like, I don't think it was anything she did, but could, what would you say to her to give her ex- mm-hmm. some encouragement mm-hmm. to get back on her feet and try again? To answer her question, I completely understand how you feel. When I first started my business, remember, I was making it up as I go <laughs> when I first started in social media. I started off with bartering. You know, I actually exchanged services with people, I had verbal agreements. And I initially I had clients like ghost me or yeah, mainly ghost me or say that it wasn't going to be a good fit. Or I felt like I was once again, uh, doing more than, than I needed to, or do, or, you know, providing more and undervaluing like my services. And um, with every client that didn't want to move forward with me or, or, you know, wanted to end their contract, I took it very personally. I took it as a reflection of, yep, that definitely just affirms like how bad I am as a social media manager. You know, like every failure I took, I identified with that failure. And in time, I want to say though, that I eventually got to a place where that did not serve me (laughs) to say that, that I'm a failure, you know, like, oh, there it is again. There's proof that I failed. There's proof that I'm not good at this, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of mantras that I have told myself in the last decade. Like there's so many, I've lost count. I have piles of post-its with different mantras. One of my most favorite things I like to tell myself, and if you are a person of faith, I identify as a person of faith, is that my favorite Bible verse is Ecclesiastes 3. And it talks about how there's a time and place for everything. There's a time to thrive. There's a time to not thrive. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to let go of embracing. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to be sad. I'm not saying that verbatim, by the way. <laughs> no, I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> but the point, the point is, is that you know, like that served a purpose for you, you know, like those clients that didn't move forward, there's a lesson to learn in that. And, you know, looking back at all those clients that didn't move forward with me, um, honestly, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that they didn't want to move forward because I got better with every new client after that. You know, I just kept getting better and better and better. And one of my other favorite mantras, I think it's by Mother Teresa. And and this is what I tell myself when I need a reset every day. You know, I say, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today. Let us begin. I think the most important thing is to practice presence and mindfulness and understand that, like, at that time, you know that you did the best you could for that client. 
you know you did. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you can't feel regretful. You can't put yourself down. It's kind of like a bad breakup. You think, oh, I should have broke up with them a long time ago. But like, but like you loved that person the best that you could at that time with the knowledge and the resources that you had. And that's what I tell myself as well. It's like, you know, I did my best with the time that I had, with the resources that I had, with the knowledge that I had. And that's it. And that's all you can do is do your best and take those lessons to just be better. And, and you're going to mess up again. Okay. So let's just be okay with that. Let's just accept the fact that we're going to mess up again and again and again. And when you think you figured it out, you're going to mess up again. <laughs> but, the whole, but the whole idea is to just keep going. You can't fail if you don't quit. And yeah. if this is really the industry that you're going to be in or not, because you may find yourself doing other things like me, you know, I ended up <laughs> in podcasting. It doesn't matter because there's a purpose for it. Like I do truly believe that there's a purpose for everything. And as long as you're focusing on, you know, being of service and being and providing good to the world, like if you set your intentions right, I don't think you can go wrong. And yeah, that's it. So I hope yeah. that was some piece of motivation for you. And, and I have a million quotes. I use my Twitter account all the time for like positive quotes. I read a lot of pers- I do a lot of personal development. And so if you're looking for some inspiration, you could follow me on Twitter, which is at the Jen Amos. I post stuff all the time. I remind myself. Yeah, it's really tweets to myself, but I have found <laughs> that my friends, you know, find it useful and of value to them as well. So oh, cool. Yeah. I'm never I'm never on Twitter, but I am going to go follow you and <laughs> then Yay. steal them all now. Just kidding. Yeah, no, and, and trust me, I've stolen them from other people. So, you know, it's it's just this collection of resources that have uplifted me and taken me through the next moment, you know, because sometimes like when you're in this industry, when you're when you're being self-employed and you're creating something from nothing, you literally have to live moment by moment. Um, And I think that's part of where the stress comes from for a lot of people is feeling like they have to be at a certain place or they have to get to a certain place. And I get that because in school, we were taught to build a linear life, you know, and even in corporate America, you're taught to climb the ladder, you know, and even in, in, in everything in our life, we're taught to do things in a linear fashion to keep building upon something, right? But that's not always true. You know, that's a popular way of living, but that's not the only way to live. And so, you know, I can tell you firsthand from someone who's lost count of the number of times she's moved and how many mistakes I've made. I mean, I'm current, I'm actively on my third business venture, you know, plus other projects that have failed already, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's really just that practice of presence and loving yourself and saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be multifaceted. It's okay to work on a project and then dump it the next day. It's completely okay. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to have it all planned out. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have yeah. to have all the reasons why somebody doesn't want to work with you. And that's the hardest part is that, yeah. and you don't have to know it all. Yeah. The hardest yeah. part. Okay. I have another good question for you. And yeah. by the way, you are so eloquent because I would have just said, <laughs> you dodged a bullet. People ghost me all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You said it in such like an inspiring way. I'm like, this is like what happens. I've had clients let me go. I've had one that I blogged about that I got fired for and it still hurts. Yeah. But it wasn't anything personal. And I know I was doing the absolute best and it helps that she's in the same stinking spot she was a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be. (laughs) You're so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Somebody asked about where you find the groups to network with like in person, because I, I do teach that. I'm like, get in with your local business owners, your brick and mortars, your service providers, because they 
all need help with getting online. So tell and networking in person is the quickest way to build trust and build relationships. So where do you find your groups? Or did you, I guess, you know, yeah. back in San Diego? Yeah, back back in the days where also, you know, pre-COVID-19 times yeah. too. <laughs> when I first started, I actually started with Facebook events. So I would just see what was in my local area. And then I remember one of these Facebook events said to RSVP on meetup.com. So then I went to meetup.com. And what I would do at these networking events is I would ask other people, hey, are you part of other networking events? And so that's how I was able to find other networking events. And so before you know it, like I had too many events to go to. So I, you know, that's how I started. And let's see. And you could also go to the chamber as well. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's plenty of ways you can go to your local YMCA and see what they have going on or like run into people. But I honestly believe that it's not too hard to find it. And even right now, yeah. I mean, the best time to find local stuff is right now while everything is online anyway. Like I literally just signed up for a local Toastmasters that's like down the street, but they're all doing it on Zoom <laughs> because, oh, perfect. because like, yeah. And so that's my way of connecting with them now so that when this whole pandemic is over and we can get out of our houses, I'm going to be driving locally and it's just like a five minute drive, but you can find a ton of it. For me, most of my networking started online or finding it yeah. online and then going to these events and asking people um, if they're involved in other events as well. So hopefully that helps answer your that's, question. That's how I built my whole post college adult volleyball career is I would, <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would just go to like the open gyms and be like, what's the best open gym? What's the best league? Yeah. And then next thing I knew I was playing volleyball like seven days a week and I knew where to go on this night and this night. Yeah. And it was almost like I knew where all the AA meetings were <laughs> like in the Metro, <laughs> but yeah, talk yeah. to people. People have mm -hmm. word of mouth recommendations are amazing. And case in yeah. point, my local, I keep needing to have him on here, but my local digital marketing agency guy mm -hmm. kills it in local business because mm. he shows up, all the business owners meet him and want to hire him. And he's not smarmy. He's a hundred percent like a good, right. honest, you know, Christian man who gets yeah. a lot of business by showing up in person. We kind of yeah. forget about that, but yeah. And remember, um, that's how I started my social media agency. Yeah in person. It's because I just went to these events. I volunteer. That's another thing too, is that if they do have officer positions, like do it like, cause that's yeah. another way to stand out as well. So you're yeah. so right. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. So I can't <laughs> thank you. I can't thank you enough for coming here and talking to our Facebook group members and inspiring them. So many, I think are just like loving you. I'm watching the comments come oh, in. You're so I can't encouraging. see any of the comments. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think you've I think you've really, you've really touched a nerve here, especially with some of your encouragement mm -hmm. and about starting over and all of that. So, okay. So Jen is on Instagram. We'll post, I'll go back and post some of the links to where yeah. to get in touch with her and to follow her. You can listen to her podcast and yeah. And now you're in the group too. So Yay, if you have yes, questions, in the group. yeah, if you have questions for her, ask her here, she'll follow up and this has been so fun. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And, you know, I'm just as hungry for community as everyone else is right now. So please don't be a stranger. Please reach out to me. I'm very active on Facebook Messenger and Instagram. And yeah, it was great, Emily. I'm so glad we were able to reconnect because yeah. I was thinking about you. So I'm glad this like manifested into what it is today. So just oh, thank you again yeah. for the opportunity and for all the good work that you're doing for your community.
Thank you. Thank you for that. And there's so much I didn't cover that I wanted to. So maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just have a part three soon too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I'd be happy yeah. to jump on again while, yeah. while we're all stuck at home. So. And one of my good friends is in Virginia beach. If I ever make it down there, we'll hook up in person. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. I, would, I would love to make local friends. That's, that's yeah. like been my mission this year until this whole stay at home order happens. Yeah. So we actually got the executive order to stay home until June 10th. Oh so my gosh. That's, that's fun. <laughs> you know what's crazy? And I kind of hate admitting this, and maybe this is a little sad, but as a you know military spouse, I've moved, what, 11 times in 18 years? Mm. Like, I'm okay. I have so many virtual friends, but I'm, yeah. I'm like, this is kind of sad. Like, I was trying to make an effort to meet new people here. I'd gone to lunch. <laughs> I was, like, friend dating, and then this happened. I'm like, yeah. I have no social life. I'm like, this is yeah. so sad. But yeah. I'm okay because – this is the life that we've been in. Yeah. And I have friends online, but I'm like, okay, I need some friends in person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know. I felt that same way this year. I was like, I'm going to start making local friends because I, I could only yeah. do so many online interviews. But yeah, yeah. With, when the whole COVID thing happened, uh, the whole stay at home thing happened, it's like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable here. It's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm comfortable being, I've been at home for the last decade. Like, what's the difference? So yeah. Yeah. Do it for another couple months, you know, so. I just signed up for tennis lessons. I was like, I'm going to not be a workaholic. I'm going to do something for me. <laughs> I got one lesson in. It was mm -hmm. a super fancy, like, training, championship training center. And I got one in and then it got canceled. Oh, you're like, great. Yeah. I was like, okay. I think at I did least that. you made the effort. That's mm -hmm. the important part. So. Yeah. I did my yeah. best with what I had at the time. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. All right. All right take care. Take care, Jen. We'll be in touch. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye. you.